not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Thanksgiving week to you and yours. I love this time of year. I would love to chat and talk with you about um, Chris and I's preparations for the Thanksgiving holiday. But I don't want to lose any time tonight. <laughs> I have a very special guest. Um, maybe later on um, after this interview, I can post something about uh, my thoughts regarding Thanksgiving this year. But I have a very, very special guest that I'm going to have on tonight. And I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to hear from him. And for him to tell you what's on his mind. Now, the name of my guest is Jim Kiefer. And he just happens to be the owner of TogiNet Radio. So this is truly exciting. And it is truly an honor for me to have him on the air. He tells me that this is the first time he's done an interview like this that that he's been on the radio so i'm i'm just truly honored god just works in ways that we just don't expect <laughs> i was introduced to uh mr i don't like to call him by his first name even though he allows me to because he is my uh my senior and my elder but mr Kiefer, mr jim i, I was introduced to him back in the beginning of November, November 1. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with him by phone. Um, I believe that he truly loves the Lord. Uh, he is a husband, which I admire, of 50 years. That is a wonderful accomplishment these days. Um, he is a father of two adult children and a successful businessman. Notice the order that I put those things in, people. You know how I roll on this show. <laughs> God, family, livelihood. <laughs> Jim is involved in many ventures. He has been involved in many ventures over the years. Uh, too many for us to name. Uh, they range from starting companies to um, saving companies from bankruptcy to developing companies to acquiring companies. He's president. He's been various managers. So I just want to jump right in and say hi to Jim. Mr. Jim, how are you? How you doing? I am good. And I'm glad you said Mr. Jim 
because Mr. Kiefer was my father. Uh. So, <laughs> so I do respond to Jim. All righty. I'm going to do my best to just say that. It just feels so uncomfortable for me because you are my senior. But since you've given me that permission, I'm going to I'm going to ob oblige you. Well, thank you. And I want to say I agree with your order of priorities that you listed, uh, even though I do tend to talk about business uh, at the expense of the others. Uh, and, but uh, I do have the very strong feeling that God is a party to my business ventures and that any business venture I go into is that I'm directed to it by Christ. And I say that because I don't go looking for my ventures. I never have. And in all cases, they have come to me. But I never have sought one of my ventures. Like, they've always come to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's an absolute <laughs> way, uh, the best way for us to live is, you know, because the scripture even tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. So it sounds like God just began to add <laughs> things to your life that, that you weren't even expecting. I want to kind of prepare our, our listeners for the direction that we're going to go in tonight. And I know that you and I talked about how we should approach this program. And at first we talked about well, we could um, we could have you list some story, uh, make a list of stories, and and out of maybe let's say a, a one to twenty five, we could pick a few stories. Be, but because there were so many stories, we decided to narrow it down and have you share a specific story, a particular story that you said was miraculous in nature. That's the way I recall it, anyway. Um, that you would approach it from more than one aspect, from a spiritual aspect, as well as a financial aspect. And that some people might be saying, you know, this, this could never happen to me. If they're on a fixed income, they may say, this could never happen to me. Am I correct here in how we decided to go with this uh, interview tonight? Well, yes. Uh, let me say one thing, though. Okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a person working on a fixed income who enjoys what they're doing. And uh, they, if, if you're happy in what you're doing, then that is probably God's place in life for you. So I would encourage that person to uh, rejoice in that position and, and uh, do it. Uh, Paul tells us in his uh, epistles for slaves to rejoice in their position, you know, that God has assigned to them. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that if you're on a per fixed income that you're a slave. You're no more a slave than an entrepreneur is a slave. But if God has assigned it to you to be an entrepreneur, then that is your position in life. And uh, being an entrepreneur brings some very um, stressful moments with it, like all of life. You don't escape. You don't escape 
stress in life, even as a Christian, you don't escape it. The, the thing about it is, is the assurance that a Christian has that God is with him and he's going, he's going to see you through the stress or through the stressful situation that you're working with. But that is a, a substantial component in the maturity of a Christian. And it goes on until uh, the end of life, in my opinion. And, and, and it's something that you never really get totally comfortable with, no matter how many experiences you have in it. So even though I told you that I can make a list of stories, number them one to 25, and say, Diane, pick a number and I'll tell you that story, whatever it is, um, which I could do, um, and each story would be different. Uh, each story brings with it its own, its own stress element that you've got to go through uh, to get through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, there's one story that I picked out for this program tonight, okay. and it may lead it may lead to others uh, if we pursue it. But this one is so it's so illustrative that I thought it communicates um, the experience that I'm referring to to anyone who hears this uh, program. Okay. And anybody who, it, the common response to a story like this is, well, that's a coincidence. That's, that's the secular world's normal response to hearing a story where God's involved. It's just a coincidence. Well, I say whenever I can write 25 of them on a sheet of paper and tell you to pick one, we are beyond the realm of coincidences. Mm -hmm. So you're basically saying that this has been a repeat, uh, a repeat pattern in your life. It's not the same story. Not the same story, but the, the but yeah, miraculous but, things. Miraculous yeah, things. each one of the each one of the stories contain an element, the the elements that I will go into on this one story here. Okay. So just take this one as one that I chose. <clears throat> There's others very much like it in my life that we could go through. Okay. All right. I think we've kind of set the stage. I think we've um, hopefully wet some people's appetite and they're now ready <laughs> okay. to hear what we're going to talk about. Um, I would like to invite you and my listeners, hey, if you haven't got your tea or your coffee, your beverage, you know what time it is. Get your tea. I'm drinking mine. I just have some plain old black tea tonight. It's nothing fancy. But I'm also munching on a piece of fudge. You ladies know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's too bad we can't share that with you. <laughs> I wish we could. I wish there was some way that I could just disperse it through the air, but you'll just have to imagine. <laughs> and um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back with you after the break. And Mr. Jim is going to tell us how God has done some miraculous things in his life, how these weren't things that he planned, but God said 
this is how it's going to be. And this is how it was. So we will be back after this break. Hold on tight. tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland, 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com, the show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, I'm back. And like I said, I don't want to lose any time. So I'm going to ask Jim to begin where he would like to begin. The floor is yours. Okay. Thank you, Diane. Uh, This this story begins in October of uh, 1982. And uh, in that time, I was president... of a steel housing company and we were building steel frames and steel frame houses, which was a new concept. And this 
company, uh, we had turned around in two and a half years from a company that when we started, it did not know how many employees it had. It did not know how much money it had in the bank, and it took eight months to determine how much money was in the bank. And in two and a half years, we had been able to turn it into the largest steel housing company in the world. And when this happens in my life, I reach a point where I, it seems that I get bored and normally something comes along that uh, gets my interest. Well, the thing that came along was a company that I had invested in. Three of us had met at a Holiday Inn in Irving, Texas, and each of us had put $17,000 on the table, and we had decided to start a company that would build uninterruptible power supplies for uh, computers because the personal computer had just come out in uh, around 1980. And we figured that they would have power problems just like the big computers did, and all big computers, all mainframes at that time, had uninterruptible power supplies. So we funded this company with uh, $51,000. Well, anybody who's in the business of startups knows that is not much money, and you go through that kind of money in fairly short order. However, this was now two years down the road, and, and uh, we, pardon, pardon my phone ringing here, uh, we, were, we were two years down the road, and the company had gone through its money and had a product, and I was called on to go and take over the leadership of the company. Uh, which I did as president of the company. And the name of the company was Parasystems, and we had a product, uh, an uninterruptible power supply. The name of the product was the Minuteman. And we named it Minuteman because just like the Minuteman, it conquered in the, uh, in the colonial times, they stood ready to go into action at a moment's notice. So if the power failed, we were ready to go into action and keep the computer running if, if, if and when the power failed. Now, there also was a second company in the same building as this company, and this company made a product called inverters for the Texas oil field, and that reduced the use of electricity out where the pump jacks are in the oil fields because electricity is very expensive out there. And if you can reduce the usage and make the pumps more efficient, then uh, you don't have to pay so much for your electric bill. And this company had six employees. So Parasystems had one employee and the second company had six employees. The second company was a failed company. It wasn't going to make it. Uh, and it had used up all of its resources whenever I got there on October the 1st of uh, 1982. And 
So <clears throat> I took the six employees of the fail company and I moved them over to Parasystems. And so now you take employment up from one employee to seven employees. Anybody who's ever dealt with a company knows that if you increase your employees by a factor from one to seven or a, a step function of, by a factor of six, you don't do that. And that's against the rules. You grow one by one. But had we taken any other course of action or had I taken any other course of action, these employees would have not, they would have lost their jobs. And I made the decision, we're going to put these employees into parasystems. The next step that I did was on the 1st of November, I put together a plan and that plan said in order to support seven employees, we have to sell this many uninterruptible fire supplies. And our sales at that time, the, the peak sales or the sales we were running was $40,000 a month. And that is not enough to support seven employees. And so I rolled out a forecast sufficient to order uh, to support the seven employees. We were manufacturing in Tokyo, Japan. And whenever you would place an order on Tokyo, it would take three months for the product to arrive in Dallas, where we're located. And so on the month of November, our sales were was $40,000. And this was November of 82. The sales for the month of December was $40,000. And the sales for January of 83, once again, were $40,000. And at the end of January, all of these uninterruptible supply, power supplies that I had ordered were arriving in Dallas. And we had more power supplies coming in than you can imagine. Mm. Okay. And the sales were not responding to my forecast and to my plan. I sent my manufacturing guy to Tokyo to cut back um, production. And he left on the 12th of February, 1983. And that was a Monday. On Wednesday, February the 14th, St. Valentine's Day, we got a telephone call from uh, Lake Maracaibo, Venezuela. Now, many of your listeners will not know where Lake Maracaibo, Venezuela is, and I didn't either. And that call 
ask us, could we deliver 500 uninterruptible power supplies? And they sold for $200 a piece, and that was a $100,000 order. And I told them that if they would wire the money in, we would ship them on Monday. Uh, Monday, I think, was the 19th of February. On Friday, the 16th, we had $100,000 hit our bank account. Mm-hmm. We shipped 500 uninterruptible fire supplies to Lake Maracaibo on Monday. And in addition to that, we did our normal $40,000 per month. Wow. Now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, that sale financed that company. We never had to raise money by selling stock, borrowing money, or any other mechanism for the rest of that company's history. Wow. Okay. Okay. And when I would go to trade shows, competitors came, would come up to me and ask me, how did you know to get ready for that order? We couldn't handle it. Nobody in the industry could handle it. Nobody had that inventory. And they would, they, they would just, you know, they didn't even know how to ask the question of how did you know to get ready for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And the answer was, right. yeah, you trust in God, you have faith in God, you do the right thing, and God will deliver. Mm. Okay, mm. and he'll take care of it, because I didn't do it. I didn't know where Lake Maricopa of Venezuela was. Mm. Now, in a minute, we're going to take a break here again, it looks like, and in a minute, I would like to relate this story from what it is to what the Bible says it is. So we'll do this right after the break. Sounds good to me. (laughs) It sounds like a God story. (laughs) It it is. Increase your staff when you don't really have the income to do so. That's right. (laughs) You have an inventory. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> A black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, 
a purpose and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from authorhouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> Thank God. Ah. I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. I'm back, and I have Jim Kiefer on the air with me, and he is sharing a miraculous situation, a miraculous story with you, how he was involved with the business venture, um, several ventures actually at one time. Things were kind of looking risky. Um, He made some risky moves. He did things that were not the norm. And how God just stepped in and turned the situation around. So I'm going to let him pick it up from there, recap what he wants to or not. Take it away. Okay, let's take this story that I just told and let's take a look at a parallel story that we have in the Bible. When the Israelites had grown up as a nation in Egypt. They had been down there for 400 years. Originally, it was uh, Jacob's family who went down there because God sent a famine, famine on Canaan and forced them down there. And Joseph, their brother, was the second in command of Egypt to the Pharaoh and so they developed God provided for them to live in the Nile Delta in what's called the land of Goshen and they God created the Israelite nation down there and then it he chose Moses to go down and to lead the nation out of Egypt 400 years after they, uh, the family went down there to make the nation. And Moses went to Pharaoh <clears throat> and told Pharaoh that uh, uh, God wanted his people out of there. And they were involved in the 10 plagues that God brought on uh, the Egyptians. Things from uh, infestation of frogs 
the Nile turning to blood. And finally, the last one was the firstborn of all of Egypt. The firstborn males were killed. And with that, Pharaoh relented and told him to go. And now Moses takes about what is figured to be about somewhere between two and a half and four million people and head out for the desert. If you look at that part of the geography, you're, go you're heading up towards the Red Sea mm -hmm. and you're going to cross <clears throat> the Red Sea, and you're going into the Sinai Peninsula. And there's no grocery stores there. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things that are not there. Matter of fact, about the only thing that is there is sand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. And as a, at the beginning of the trip, they the Israelite nation gets backed up against the Red Sea. Now, I submit to you, that is kind of where I was with all of this inventory coming down on me. And I was backed up against a sea because I was running out of money. The bank account was going to zero. I mean, and we were heading for disaster. Now, if you notice, and this is a pattern of God, and this is usually how you can identify that God's involved, in my experience. God normally solves a problem with a problem. That is not the nature of man. Men do not solve problems with problems. They do not get in trouble and go out and look for trouble. But God does. Mm. And God took the problem of the Red Sea and opened it up. And then he took the Egyptian, after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea, he took care of the problem of the Egyptian army with the Red Sea. And they were drowned in the Red Sea whenever the Red Sea came together again. Mm -hmm. And that's how God solves a problem with a problem. Now, in my case, he solved a problem with a problem. It was the same thing. Okay. Okay. So your initial problem was? My, my initial problem was too much inventory. Too much inventory. I did not have the sales for that inventory. Okay. Now, there's been many examples in business where businesses get over inventory. In the United States, you see it in the automotive industry all the time, mm -hmm. where they build too many cars. Right. Okay. Now, my observation is God doesn't normally solve their problems. <laughs> but in my case, God solved my problem. Okay. Now, we weren't advertising how the people, how this company in Lake Maracaibo, Venezuela, located us or even knew that we existed because we were just a small company. We were, we were nothing of a company. And how they found us is beyond my comprehension. Hmm. Now, the other thing 
the other similarity to the Bible is I never was able to make contact with that company again. Wow. The, the name of the company was Bipe CA. And I, I called and I couldn't find them. Wow. They, they, they didn't exist. I never, made, I never made a sale. Never had another telephone call with them. Wow. Now, now, where else do you ever see that? Well, we see that in the Bible when Abraham meets a guy by the name of Melchizedek in Jerusalem. And Melchizedek is a special kind of priest. And he and Abraham recognizes him as a priest and after a battle he gives him 10% of the spoils of the battle mm-hmm. as a sacrifice to God. And so by CA and Melchizedek had a lot in common to me. And why is Melchizedek important? Well, because we're told in the new scriptures that Christ is a priest after the uh, model of Melchizedek, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not the Levites, because Christ did not come of the tribe of the, of the Levites. Mm-hmm. Okay? And yet Christ was a priest, and he is a priest to Christians, and he's our priest to God. Wow. Yeah. So the company just disappeared. I mean, it was like, (laughs) I don't even know if I should say it disappeared, but it was just like, yeah, manifest. Wow. Yeah, it's like, and yet, I know they were real because you don't have $100,000 come into your bank account from nowhere. Mm -hmm. And we had a shipping address and we shipped to them. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was we never had a complaint. We never, they never called us and said one of the units failed. There was no problem. We did not have a problem with, we did not have a single problem with that sale. And back in those days, our, pro- our product was not that good. We were young. We hadn't really perfected our product. And yet that sale went down perfectly. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I would say that that's miraculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you live it, if you were down on your knees praying to God, God, I, I've got to have your help with this inventory. Only you can deliver it. <laughs> you, only you can deal with this. I, this is beyond me. You know it's miraculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it truly is. So now you said God solves problems with problems. Yes. And the problem was that you had too much inventory. That's right. So what was the problem, in your view, what was the problem that he... Well, and there were two problems. One problem was I was out of money. Okay. Okay, because we'd spent our money paying employees and buying inventory. And now I had too much inventory. Right. Yeah. And so the inventory problem was solved and the money problem was solved. Both of them went away. Well, what was the problem that he used to solve the problem, though, was what I was going to ask. Well, he, he used the problem of too much inventory 
to solve the money problem. Oh, okay. See, I had a warehouse full of inventory, way too much inventory, and no money. I see, I see. Yeah, I was running out of money. Right, right, right. So, so he used the inventory problem to solve the money problem. Right, right. I got it now. In business, you don't, in business, you don't normally get a person to send you cash in advance before they know who you are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You just don't see that. That doesn't happen in the real world. Hmm. Okay. But, in, but in that case, it happened. Hmm. Hmm. It happened fast, too. I mean, he didn't have to say, I'll have to go make financial arrangements or something like that. Hmm. He just sent the money. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it. I, man, I don't know. We only have about, um, what, like 12, 12 minutes or so. I think in the next segment, um, we're coming up on a break probably in a few minutes here. Um, well, in about one minute, I guess. So I don't know how much time we have. If you want to talk more about this story when we come back, or if you want to talk about another story, if we can get another one in, I'll leave that up to you to think about. Well, um, let me, I will finish this story. Okay. And it'll take me about four minutes. Okay. And then I'll let you ask me questions. Okay. Well, okay. sounds good to me, people. Um, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. The key here is us walking in his will, walking according to the plans and purposes that he has for us. And then we can see him work and we can see him move in ways that we just don't even expect. Has the tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. 
Trisha will dig deep at the topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right, people. I want Mr. Jim to pick it up where we left off, sharing uh, one of God's miraculous stories of many stories that have happened in his life. And I heard the missus uh, saying that uh, she felt like he was able to do anything. And I just love that. I love that because um, oftentimes uh, our men need our support and our love, and they need to know that um, we're with them in these in these adventures. So I just love that. I heard you say that, Miss Marianne, and thank you for sharing that. Go ahead, Jim, pick it up. Okay, I would like to start this at this point. I would like to uh, share a scripture that God has given us uh, that I think is applicable to this story. And that scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Now, scriptures are written to God's children, and they're directed at God's children. And if you don't relate to this, it it may be because you're not a child of God. And I would encourage you to um, pray to God to become a child of God. Now, this is a scripture that all children of God are familiar with or should be familiar with if they're not. And it goes, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now that happened in my story because I was praying to God for help on that. And that scripture was fulfilled in that case. Now, 
I would like to kind of give you the conclusion of the story. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of parasystems. Uh, six years later, in around 1989, we had grown the company to eight and a half million dollars a year in sales, and sold it for four and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So, Diane, I will kind of be here if you want to ask me any questions or. Well, yes, I want to, because some people might be thinking, you know, well, how maybe you had some advantage. Maybe you had a, a college. Ed I mean, you do have a college education now, but um, leading up to that. Matter of fact, I mentioned to, I meant to mention some of your education, but leading up to that, tell tell us what your beginnings were like, um, because some people might be thinking, well, you know, he probably came from a rich family, he probably came from money. I mean, you know, give tell us what your beginnings were like. Well, the my beginnings were poor, and the only reason that I did not know that we were poor is we were in a community of about 10 families out in, uh, out in the country in Oklahoma. And we were the best off of the 10 families. Uh, I have to admit that. But my only source, I had two sor I had two sources of money that I could make money at. One, well, I had three sources, I'm sorry. I had three ways to make money. One was I could pick pecans in the fall whenever the pecans were ripe. And you would get seven cents a pound for pecans. And if you were a good pecan picker, and you would get up in the trees and flail the pecans with a bamboo pole and yes. work hard, you could pick about 300 pounds of pecans a day. Mm. And that would be $21. Wow. wow. The, second, the second source of money that I had were gunny sacks, which gunny sacks held the feed that we fed the cattle. And I could sell gunny sacks they were mine to sell, and you would get about, you would get two cents a piece for gunny sacks. And we would pick up, I would pick up about 10 gunny sacks a day. So that's 20 cents. Yes. The third source of money was in the fall, whenever the cotton was ready, I could go pick cotton one day a week and a good cotton picker could pick, uh, you, you got two cents a pound for cotton, and a good cotton picker could pick 350 pounds of cotton, and you could make $7, but you could only pick cotton for about five days a year. So your total income, my total income on the farm was probably under $100 a year. Wow. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I was going to college, and my family did not have the money to send me to college. 
And so I made the decision I would raise hogs. And I had 55 baby pigs out of four sows. And I lost $10 a pig. Now, how's that for an entrepreneurial story? (laughs) So I'm down $550 (laughs) trying to go to college. Mm. And... What was the solution to that? Well, the solution to that is I went to the grain elevator that I bought the corn from to feed my pigs. And I told Mr. Longmire, the owner of the grain elevator, he needed to hire me so that I could pay him back for all the corn I had bought from him. And he did. And I worked at a dollar an hour, no overtime. And I made, uh, I made $1,200 in three months. That's $400 a month at a dollar an hour, no overtime. So you're hitting about a hundred dollars a week. And and we lived, we lived eight miles from town and I didn't have a car and I had to get home also. And I still had to do the chores that I had to do on the farm. That's where we started. So, in answer to your question, was I born rich? My answer is I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it doesn't sound like it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I was going to mention how you told me too that um, you um, you came from a one one classroom school. Yes, that's where we went to school. One room, eight grades, seven kids. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just happened to be good with math. Did that play a role in any of these ventures? Math math has always been my subject. And I I just had a God-given skill in mathematics. Mm. And... And uh, it's and that's why that's why I chose electrical engineering in college and why I became an electrical engineer. Okay, I you know it's it's just getting better as we talk, and um, I didn't get to mention the fact that you ended up with a master's of engineering administration, SMU, master's of electrical engineering, SMU. Bachelor's of Electrical Engineering, Oklahoma State University. So um, God has truly done, you know, he, he taught, this is kind of like a rag, rags to riches story, I think, <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's it, sometimes, it, it, and quite frankly, it was only after <clears throat> I got older in life mm-hmm. that I had an awareness of what God had done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And that I realized it really was God. It wasn't me. Right. I just, I just lived it. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I always tell people, you think you did something fantastic. Mm -hmm. Here's my challenge to you. Do it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See if you can. That's right. (laughs) You'll find out that you can't. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
you know, I'm looking at different things in my notes, and unfortunately, we don't have time. If we had time, I wish that I could have you talk about um, the fact that God's um, economic system is not like ours. I mean, I, I really got a lot out of that conversation that we had. Perhaps we can schedule a time, you know, after the holidays to um, have you come back and pick up on some more things, um, more stories, or just whatever we feel like doing, but um, we only got about a minute left, so I want you to have the last say. Actually, 30 okay. seconds. I want you to have the last say. <laughs> well, I would I would love to do it again, Diane. And uh, it's, uh, if, you, if you look at it, and if you realize that God is playing a role in your life, it changes your, it, that fact, just that acknowledgement will change your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we're out of time, but we do invite you to make God the ruler <laughs> of your life, the love of your soul. Yeah. <coughs> Walk with you and die. Till next time, good night.